Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com don't forget ladies and gentlemen in the podcast description or podcast notes in your podcast app you can get access to all of our sponsors all of the products that we talk about in the podcast and contact information for paul and martin proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about? Talking about? Talking about? Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. We are live with episode 14. Holy shit of squared away. What's up, my man? much how are you doing I'm, I'm doing great it's it's heavy week and i've missed every one of my lifts this week so i'm really rocking a hundred percent you missed every one of your lifts by yeah well goals really yeah really i didn't miss my lifts i went over so i was really close so my bench should have been 285 or 290 but i went right to 315 because you're that close like you're, you want to fucking try right yeah so i just missed that and then my dad was supposed to be 500. Well, my dad was supposed to be 485, which I hit 480 and then put 20 more pounds on to get to 500 because that's a big fucking number. Oh, yeah. And that's right. that was stuck to the floor. That wasn't moving. So now tomorrow I'll probably stick with my 455 squat and just call that done. Not <laughs> not try to fucking put an extra. I mean, there's nothing right over 455, right? So at least I'm far enough away from 500 that I'm not going to randomly yeah. like up at the 500. But you think the 480 was, uh, was it slow going up? Uh, the 480 came off the ground really good, but the last probably the, the lockout was slow, Oh, really? which is usually opposite of where I'm, I'm usually really strong in the lockout and, and weak off the bottom three inches, oh, okay. but 
I thought maybe that extra 20 pounds just kind of gave you a psychological, you know. Oh, it totally probably it totally probably was psychological kick in the nuts. But the day before I started feeling uh, like a sciatic kind of that radiating pain down my leg. And I was like, great, I got a fucking max deadlift tomorrow. So I did it through through that radiating pain down through my leg. So it might have just threw you off. Yeah, might have thrown me off. Might have been all in my head. Who the fuck knows? But oh, man. Well, still PRs, sucks. still both PRs. So oh, yeah. it's good. Good heavy week. <laughs> Carbs got me all fucked up. I'm all like cranky and fucking my hands hurt and I get fucking heartburn all all week. I, oh, my really? body doesn't do well with carbs. What are you eating for carbs? Uh, Mostly fruits. Mostly fruits? Yeah. Really? Yeah, mostly fruits. A little bit of like corn, some corn tortillas, a um, little bit of gluten-free bread, but... Yeah, it's mostly a lot of fruit. Well, you know, I was wondering, uh, what's what's the uh, nutritional value to corn? Nothing. Okay. I mean, it's all carb. It's carbon starch and fiber, which fiber, depending on where you, uh, depending on what you do, fiber has a big benefit as far as um, your digestive system and keeping all that smooth and whatnot. On the can. So, yeah, I mean, fiber, fiber's fiber's good for you. That's where you get the benefits of corn. Otherwise, corn is really just a carbohydrate, like an empty carbohydrate. It's fattening the beef. Oh, corn-fed beef. Let's go. Everybody's like, (laughs) I'm going to get me some grass-fed beef. Yeah, until you eat it. Yeah, you get the big corn-fed Angus beef cattle. Oh, my gosh. There's a farm around here that started doing Wagyu hybrids. So, it's like a Wagyu-Angus hybrid. So, I might think about trying some of that. The farm local here? Yeah. Yeah, I want to find more about that. That's- yeah. So, I mean, in Wagyu beef is like, it's it's nasty, right? Like, that that's a sick cow. It is. Like, that's a, that's a sick cow that they don't let fucking walk around. They have bred it to just be so interlaced with fat that, like, it's oh, marbled through that, the meat. Like, yeah. You know, like, that's not a healthy animal, but it tastes fucking delicious. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. I just know it was a great cut. That's why. <laughs> That's a great expensive cut. Yeah, great expensive piece of meat. The guy's life. Yeah, because it's been, and I I would have to look up exactly what it is, but there's like, it's been, um, you know, bred to be basically almost white in between the red of the meat. So, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so physically, that's where I'm at this week. Like, I'm I'm fine. I'm good. Like, I hit I hit PRs on on both of those lifts, but it wasn't as much as I wanted. So, yeah. Well, physically this week, I had a pretty good couple days off, got out of town, uh, hats off and props to Project Veteran Muscle down in Lake Geneva. Uh, Got some time down there. So that's kind of the old Rocky, you know, field gym. So got some really good lifts in, came back, um, you know, ligaments were a little bit sore, but a little bit of a icing, a little rub down and... uh, um, Everything's been fine. So I had some great chest, shoulder, you know, leg lifts, stacked everything up. And yeah, today I just uh, took a little bit of time off. I did probably about 80 pull-ups. Didn't get my hundreds. I feel like, I feel like in gyms like that, especially with that, with those type of guys around, like you lift harder. Like you, yeah, do. you do, you know, you do, you, you definitely, do. you lift harder, you lift heavier, more intensity. You're, you're in it. You know, whereas like our gym, like you and I both know, like if you take your headphones out, you might end up standing there for 15 minutes because somebody <laughs> wants to talk to you. Yeah, it's either that or uh, you're watching a bunch of kids trying to bench with the plates falling off oh on one side. Oh, my God. 
I was doing burpee pull-ups this morning and um, Mitch, who you and I both know, train, he's an Olympic trainer, was an Olympic trainer. Awesome dude. Does these windshield wipers. He comes up and he's like, I don't know if I can do those. I'm like, Mitch, you're 75 years old and I see you do windshield wipers like 30 at a time. Trust me, you can do some burpee pull-ups. He's 75? <laughs> well, I don't know. He's old. Oh, I'm yeah, guessing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like I posted this past week. Uh, there's one dude that's in there that I thought was like maybe 70. 72 73 and he told me he's 87 jesus but the you know the dude's still kicking he rides his bike every day he's in the gym every day and he said he has a sister it's just as active as 93 oh that's genetics you know good posture and everything he's not not a big dude at yeah all. no but that's genetics i mean not not just genetics that's genetics and he lifestyle moving, yeah and lifestyle that should, moving, I shouldn't say just well, genetics. yeah you know i think that makes a big difference fuck yeah it does we're gonna talk about that today inflammation yeah. man um, spiritually, what have you been up to? I uh, had a pretty good week. So like I said, I think a couple days off really helps Hell to yeah. get out of the schedule. Uh, do a couple things that, you know, you want to do. Um, like I said, great sermon this week by Life Church, And, uh, um, yeah, just, I think part of the refreshing being by the water too is just, uh, you know, yeah, it's calms weird. me down. It's weird how water does that. I mean, it makes sense because we would have evolved near water sources. So it makes sense that water would give you kind of that calmness, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting that water does that. Yeah. People watching too is, I don't know, there's some entertainment to it this time. I don't I've know never why. been to the lake at Lake Geneva. I've been to Lake Geneva, the city, but I've never been on the lake or anything like that. Is it pretty busy? Uh, no, it wasn't too bad. During oh, the week, it's nice. not bad. You know, it's kind of cute because you see the differences between girls and boys when they're little. It's uh, these boys are running around with these, these dead fish. And bringing it back to their friends. That's awesome. Uh, and then, you know, finally I was watching. It was almost like this uh, little kid love story. All of a sudden he finds this girl that wants to, you know, handle the fish with him. These things are dead and bloated and they keep pulling them up. So that was cute. And so he was super pumped because he's like, holy shit, a chick that likes stuff that I like. Oh, yeah. And then they right? kind of walk off together in yeah. the sunset. So it's kind of cute. That's funny. Um, spiritually, I finished the God Delusion this week. You did? Yeah. Oh, that was quick. Yeah. Interesting. Lot in there, a lot to unwrap. Um, pretty crazy when you start to hear some of the wild ass stories of the Old Testament. Yeah, like some really messed up shit, like Sodom and Gomorrah, and some messed up stories. But, Judges. Yeah, but anyways, um, so that was my spiritual this week. I finished that, and now we'll probably move on past religion and and get deeper into some other stuff. But I did both sides of the coin, and feel like I've researched enough. It feel like I'm at a good place. That's good. That's why I think everybody's got to do that. You got to look at a subject and hit hit it from all angles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there, you kind of critically think and come to your own conclusion. So emotionally, we talked last time how we were both maybe lacking on our emotional practice. So I did some work this week and did some research on emotional intelligence and stuff like that. And I think I knew this fact prior to doing this research, but I don't think I ever was able to elaborate it in my head. But um, your emotions, I mean, I guess this isn't a fact, but your emotions arguably are not controllable. You cannot control what emotional reaction you have to a situation. What is controllable is your action caused by the emotion. And I don't think I've ever separated those two out. You know, I think I've always yeah. just, well, if, if I have this emotional reaction, I can't control that. But then that action that comes from that emotion 
is controllable. And I think that just recognizing that is is helpful. Right. You know, separating those two. And, and that was about as deep as I got into the emotional intelligence this week. There is a book on my reading list that really gets deeper into the emotional intelligence. But I just wanted to start to high spot that in between so that I did at least have some sort of an emotional practice this week. Yeah. I mean, it's how you react and also what you surround yourself with in your environment, including, you know, we talk about a lot what kind of people you surround yourself with helps sharpen that, you know, that EQ. So, yeah, for me, I, I think it was it was good. And like I said, two days makes a huge difference on you all the way around. And two days disconnected, right? Like not two days, not two days just not working, but doing the same shit you're always doing. Like that doesn't really do much. Like two days completely, three days completely disconnected. Yeah. And granted, yeah, I had a couple of work calls, but, you know, it gave me a little taste of what it could be. I could do that for a week and my, be really uh, refreshed. My 17 year old wanted to skip school today because it was the last day Ooh. and she's actually in person and they're not even making the um, digital kids, which is a majority of, of her class. Yeah. They weren't even making them sign in today. So she's like, Dad, like all the teachers are just cleaning because of COVID restrictions. We can't even help them clean. It's like, there's no reason for me to be there. And I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, like part of me wants to be like, no, fuck you go. Like it's your day of school. Yeah. But then I'm like, all right, so maybe I can use this intelligently. Right. And I've been wanting her to watch the social dilemma, which is the Netflix documentary on social media and the, and the negative effects of it and everything no. and, and societal effects of it. So that was my, that was my agreement. If she watched it and paid attention, no device in her hand, she actually had to watch it. Then I'd let her stay home from school today. So oh. So you kind of uh, incentivized her by homeschooling her? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that probably got way more, you know, help. And no, she's not just going to change how she acts because of that. But right. that at least gives her the knowledge base. Like, oh, maybe I'm feeling a little depressed. Maybe I've spent too much time on Instagram lately or whatever, you know. Right. That's so, information that she would not have gotten. No. Otherwise. So. No. So, yeah, you plant a seed. You know, yep. That's all that I too. can do. Yeah. Um, mentally, 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 like my research for today's podcast was my mental this week. What's your mental? This is this is like I I understand a little bit or 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 maybe more than a little bit of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about inflammation and its connection to to major disease, but especially um psychiatric diseases like depression and anxiety. And I understand, or I've I've read or heard a lot of the high spotting of this, but actually to dig in and start to understand like what a cytokine is and what inflammation actually is and how they suspect that it actually affects emotions. Like that was, that was digging deep. I was reading PubMed studies and and meta-analysis and stuff like that. And it was interesting. Well, no, that'd be good. It'd be interesting. So should we dig in? Let's dig in. Inflammation. Well, this is how I'm going to start because this is these are some some statistics that I got from um, I will link the book, but I think it is Inflammation Spectrum. And if you are an audible listener, I believe it's included free. So it's a it's a it's a good resource. But 60 percent of American adults have chronic disease. Forty percent of those have two or more chronic diseases. Someone has a heart attack every 40 seconds in the United States. That's wild. Every 40 seconds. Cancer is the second leading cause of death worldwide. 50 million Americans have an autoimmune disease. Almost half of the population is pre-diabetic or diabetic. And the current approach that modern medicine gives us is prescription drugs. But prescription drugs now kill more people 
than heroin and cocaine combined. And I, when I was typing that out, I started thinking about it. I don't know that I know anybody that's died of cocaine. I'm sure there's people out there, but it's not like heroin. Like you hear that all the time, right? Right. But I don't know how you die from cocaine. Anyways, that was this. That was the statistic. Is they probably threw that in there a little bit, so they're like, eh, we'll make it sound better. <laughs> um, but all of all chronic disease is correlated with high systemic inflammation, and correlation is not causation. We know that, but it is at least um, a place to start looking. Right. Right. And so inflammation is your body's natural reaction to your immune system's natural reaction to some sort of damage. So if you get a cut, it turns red, it starts to swell, it gets hot when it's healing. That's all inflammation. Right. So what that is, is your body sends these these inflammatory proteins or the inflammatory cytokines to the source of the damage. So let's just let's use a cut for an example. So it sends these inflammatory proteins to the cut. These proteins signal the cells to get inflamed. And those cells, I'm, I'm, I'm making hand gestures here, which does not fucking work on a podcast. But imagine, imagine two circles that are just a little bit apart from each other. So they, they don't have, you know, they have just enough room for, um, for stuff to get through the middle of the cells. And that's kind of how the blood flows and that's how everything else works works in our system. Now, when those cells get inflamed, they those two little circles that have space between them get bigger and that tightens up the space. And that's what causes the swelling. It's a lot of what causes the heat. And then what that does is that stops disease from getting in or stops uh, viruses or stops um, any sort of other damage. So what that does is that helps your body slowly start to, it helps it stay healthy so it can heal. Yep. Right. So it's a positive thing. If we didn't have inflammation, we'd die from little cuts. Correct. But it starts the transport of nutrients through blood. Yes. To help heal that. Yes. But like anything, so I'm, I'm going to quote the, the the Goldilocks principle here. And everybody knows the story of Goldilocks. Oh, I don't like this chair. It's too big. I don't like this chair. It's too small. This chair is just right. Is that Goldilocks? Yeah, that's Goldilocks and the three bears, right? So she tries the big bear and she tries the little bear. Huh? Yeah. I thought the bears came in and tried the beds. No, she tries the bears' beds. The bears' beds? Oh, okay. It's been so long because I'm so old. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> anyway, so the Goldilocks principle, it, the Goldilocks principle explains it's, it's the idea of everything is not too much, not too little, just the right amount is the perfect number. Right. So like our, we, there's life on earth because we're just close enough to the sun that we can get, keep heat, but we're not too far away that we're frozen or we're not too close that we burn up. Right. So right. we're right in the perfect distance from the sun. This is also how they look for other planets is they they look for stars and then they look for masses that are within a Goldilocks zone to create life. Anyways, so not to get too far off topic. Um, so inflammation is a Goldilocks principle, not too much of it, not too little of it. We need it. You can't have too much. Right. But when anything is causing long term, what we, what we would call systemic inflammation, then we have damage. We have right. problems. And this is kind of this is one of the big issues or the suggested um, effects of the standard American diet is systemic inflammation and systemic inflammation has been linked to early death. It's been linked to all these diseases, been linked to depression, anxiety, which is what we're going to talk about in a little bit. But then you start to look at like um, the Mediterranean diet 
Well, the Mediterranean diet is low in inflammatory foods. The inflammation is lower in the people that live in those areas that consume those diets. And they generally live much longer, healthier lives than what we do. That's correct. So one of the things here is before we get into the anxiety and depression, just common systemic inflammation I've read a lot that starts to talk about when they when they have bones of people that tribes, you know, that that died way before we ever had modern medicine. They had all of a lot of the stuff that we had. They had some arthritis and they had some stuff like that. But then when you start to um, look at tribes now that they have found that before they get converted to the standard diet. They don't deal with any of the actual symptoms of having these things. So they have some osteoarthritis. They have, you know, damage from broken bones. They have all this shit, but they don't actually feel it because the inflammation that's chronically there is what makes you feel all of these pains way worse than if you just had some osteoarthritis buildup or some, you know, you broke your arm and it never healed quite right and all this, all this shit. Right. So the inflammation makes you feel these, all of these issues way worse. So when you start to think about that, it starts to make you think, or it starts to make me think at least. And like my elbow from the car accident, I can feel that way worse when I've even been eating shitty or my hands start to hurt. My hands kind of ache in the morning when I get up. If I've been eating shitty, you know, we've went to a few birthday parties. I've had some cake, eaten some shitty food, had some ice cream. And then all of a sudden, like it takes a few days for my my joints to feel better. It takes a few days for my brain to work smoother. So kind of like that, uh, the old saying where people are walking outside like, oh, it's raining. I can feel my joints. Yes. Kind of like that. Like that whatever whatever causes that i can feel my joints right whatever causes that feeling is always there that doesn't come and go yeah but with with poor diet or anything else that causes inflammation i mean there's a lot of stuff that can cause inflammation we're going to focus mainly on diet today but i mean it could be it could be damaging you know um plastics in your water you know, or, or, or something in your water that you're constantly drinking at home. You've never had your water tested. There could be inflammatory things in your water if you have well water or city water if you're in Flint, Michigan. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, Hell like, yeah. there's all different things that can cause this inflammation, systemic inflammation, constant inflammation. Because, I mean, lifting weights causes inflammation, but then it right. causes a compensatory mechanism that then makes your body make you stronger. Yeah, but then you got to be pretty intelligent to figure out what's good inflammation and what's not. Good inflammation comes as a reaction to a short-term stimulus. So whether it's a cut, a rolled ankle, uh, lifting weights, right? your wife gets mad at you and smacks you across your face and it's all red. That's good, inflama- lesson, that's good yeah. inflammation. <laughs> Bad inflammation is constant, repetitive, long-term. So you eat one shitty thing you're going to you might feel a little, you know, a little creaky the next day, but you'll be fine. If you're constantly consuming the standard American diet, you may not even feel awful because 
you actually do feel awful, but you're so used to feeling awful that then all of a sudden, if you clean yourself up, you're like, holy shit, I feel great. Yeah. And sometimes I think inflammation for us, we know it because, you know, when you're working out, especially resistance training, I mean, it's an everyday thing, but it's also has to, for me, I've learned is it's a limiter too to tell you when to stop. Sometimes I think I've pushed it and pushed it and pushed it too hard where all of a sudden now I start getting an injury. Yeah. But what we're talking about is, is how to get people to recognize because they're not going to go to a doctor and a doctor's not going to tell them. No, a doctor's not even going to, I mean, realistically, a doctor's not even going to be like, hey, you need to clean your diet up so that you're, you know, my, like me, my sciatic, that issue I had on Wednesday before I, before my deadlifts and I had it on Tuesday. Yeah. That's from eating poorly. Because so? oh yeah, wow! What were you eating? Um, Cheese well, I mean, this again? weekend we went. This weekend we went a little hard in the paint. This last weekend, so that was probably just cleaning up after that. Because um, I didn't do anything. Yeah, I didn't do anything to hurt it. But my lower back, because I've been driving since I was 16 years old for work, my lower back is always a point of contention. When I had COVID, which causes cytokine inflammation throughout your entire body. I felt like my lower back was going to rip out like it was that was where I had the most pain. And the other guys that I work with that have been doing this forever, similar pains. Other people that I've talked to that had covid, you know, I had pains. Oh, yeah, I had an awful headache or I had awful, you know, here like, oh, you didn't have the lower back. No, not really. But then all the guys that I work with that have gotten it. Same thing. Well. So clearly my back is a, is a point of contention. Like my lower yeah. back and hips are a point. I played hockey since I was eight, which is a hip issue constantly. Um, so yeah, I ate like shit last weekend um, and cause it, I, I dealt with it. Right. Wow. And I, when I say I eat like shit, like I ate the way everybody normally eats the way most people eat for three uh, days. I don't know nowadays, man. Yeah. Deep, I might not even have been fried that bad. Everything? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think I had much deep fried. Just, a lot of desserts and dairy and bread and um, so anyways, so inflammation and pain. Now, the inflammation link to psychiatric disorders. So these inflammatory cytokines make it across the blood brain barrier. So the blood brain barrier, if nobody knows what that is, it is the barrier that stops, like if you were to get some sort of a minor poison in your bloodstream, most of the time that can't make it into your brain because of the blood brain barrier. It's a, a membrane that stops the blood because I, if I understand it right, blood goes up into your skull, but then it has to soak through the blood brain barrier to get into your brain. Um, so it, it, it stops everything that's in your bloodstream from being able to get to your brain. These inflammatory cytokines make it into your brain. Now, what is happiness? What causes happiness? It's different for some people. I don't know. Dopamine. Dopamine, epinephrine, neuroepinephrine, serotonin. So when when you talk about an antidepressant, it is an SSRI, which is a serotonin selective reuptake inhibitor. So it, I, I believe, stops serotonin from being reuptaken so that your body has to create more serotonin and then makes you happier. That's how something that might not be perfectly right, but that's basically how antidepressants work. 
So it makes your body make more serotonin or makes your body process more of the serotonin that it already makes, makes you happier. Yay. They work. Everybody, like anybody that's ever been on them, um, not everybody, but a majority, I think 66% of people that have ever been on antidepressants, like they work, they have bad, you know, side effects, like everything. There's no biological free lunch, but they work. So these cells that now get in, you know, when we got a cut, they got inflamed so that shit couldn't get in there. Right. Right. When this happens in your brain, these cells get inflamed and the serotonin that your brain is making and the dopamine that your brain is making and the epinephrine that your brain is making can't get into their spots to do their job. So if you have constant systemic inflammation, the chemicals that are supposed to make you happy or at least keep you level aren't able to do their fucking job. Right. So that is not necessarily the cause of the depression because there are different types of depression and different types of anxiety, but that is a contributing factor. So we're talking as extreme as multiple concussions, um, you know, uh, battlefield, you know, aftershock blasts. So a lot of, yes, that causes it's, it's maybe not as extreme as that, depending on how in, you know, how inflamed you are. It's, it's all a spectrum, right? Like, it's not like you're inflamed or you're not inflamed, like lightly inflamed, majorly inflamed. You know, are you are you morbidly obese and eating awful food all the time? You're probably way more inflamed than, you know, the average American. Um, but are you as inflamed as 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 post, you know, blast? Right. A lot of the issues with multiple concussions actually comes from um Dr. Mark Gordon, I think if, if you're somebody that, that maybe played professional sports or played sports in the past and you've had a lot of concussions and you have emotional issues, look into Dr. Mark Gordon. He gets into a lot of that is hormonal testosterone and estrogen and something to do with the effect of the concussion affects your pituitary gland, which your pituitary gland sends out luteinizing hormone and luteinizing hormone is what tells your body to create all the all of the all of the sex hormones and those hormones then stimulate the dopamine, the epinephrine, the serotonin. So it's a big, we're, we're a big system, right? We're a big right. operational system. So that's where a lot of the, that comes from with that, but that's long-term, you know, that's concussions throughout the years, not just simple inflammation causing that. So can you eat yourself into that problem? Yes. Yes, and that's what that's what they're, that's what they're finding. That's what they're that's what they're slowly the the meta analysis that I read actually just today talks about brain swelling. Uh, it's not it's not brain swelling. It is the cells. Oh shit! I just hit my mic. Hopefully that didn't knock anything. Um, it's the cells inside the brain being inflamed. So we're going to say swelling, but it's not really swelling the way that you're thinking of swelling. The way you're thinking of swelling is where it's actually putting pressure, like traumatic swelling. This is just minor swelling, but those cells are so close together. And those, those serotonin and dopamine are such perfectly, they're perfect fits into their spots where they need to go. That it affects your, affects your emotions. And then your emotions then affect your behavior. So there's about 30 to 40% of people that go on anti-anxiety medication and anti-depression medication that does nothing to, no help. Those people are so inflamed that, and this is, this is what they're suspecting and what they're starting to find. We're right on the, like scientists right on the, the top of this research. Like this is, 
just in the last three years really starting to come out. But they're starting to find that those people have such high inflammatory markers that they suspect that even the chemicals that they're taking, so the the SSRIs and, and the other anxiety medications and stuff that they're taking, aren't even able to get in to the areas that they need to get into to help. And that's why that 30 to 40% of people that are taking these drugs, it doesn't even help at all. But what's the characteristics? Are these the morbidly obese? Um, I don't know what the characteristics are of these people. Like they, their their blood markers show. So high sensitivity, high sensitivity C-reactive protein or CRP is one of the big biomarkers or blood markers that you get a test and that shows your inflammation level, con, you know, your steady inflammation level. Um so those markers that they would test for to show if you're inflamed or not are ele- extremely elevated. I don't even know that that necessarily correlates, um, or I'm sure it correlates, but it, it not necessarily cause. It could be somebody that's not super obese and somebody that's morbidly obese and somebody that's just skinny fat that eats like shit. They all could be extremely elevated. Well, no, that's so how do you... Uh... I mean, what's the treatment for that? No. So, and, and so that's when you start to get into beyond medical. Yeah. And so that's where you start to get into the interesting part of this is clean eating, a healthy lifestyle and vigorous activity has shown equal or equal and minor and a little bit greater benefits on depression and anxiety than the actual drugs. And that's not something that when you stop taking it, it goes away. Right? Right. But I wanna I wanna take a second and just and 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 separate out chronic depression and chronic anxiety with situational depression and situational anxiety. Because situational depression and situational anxiety is caused by something that's going on in your real life. And what that is, is that's your body's fuel gauge or check engine light. And that's your body saying to you, there's something fucked up going on here that needs to be fixed. A bad relationship, a poor job, uh, you know, a coworker that is just driving you into the ground every day, uh, somebody lying to you, cheating you. Some, there's something going on in your life that is causing that depression. That's situational depression. That is going to have no no help by, by a clean diet. By a clean diet, just got to get out of that it situation. Will, it, well, and and the thing is, is this is where it's kind of scary when you start to talk about pharmaceutical intervention because the pharmaceuticals will improve your mood even in that shitty situation, but should it? It's kind of a false positive, right? It really shouldn't improve. The problems that you're having, because that's your body saying, hey, we got to fix this issue. Right. Let's not just treat the symptom. Let's let's fix the fucking issue. Let's leave (laughs) the bad spouse. Let's find a new job. Let's go outside and not play video games 22 hours a day. You know? Yeah. And so that's situational. That's not caused by inflammation. That's caused by your your brain knowing that there's something fucked up in your life. So with that said, all of this that I'm talking about with inflammation is chronic depression and chronic anxiety. Th- those feelings that never go away and they really don't have a link. 
Now you have to be a little bit self-aware to be able to realize which one of those two you're in. Right. How much of the uh, research have you done that uh, put fibromyalgia in this as well? So fibromyalgia, lupus, and a few other auto, those are all autoimmune issues. Yep. Those all have a inflammatory marker. So they all are linked to high inflammation. Now, whether reducing inflammation reduces the symptoms that come with those, I'm not aware yet. I have not dug that deep into right. what those are, but those are definitely inflammatory response diseases. Yeah. And I don't think there's a definite medical solution for it yet. So I know that there are, you know, items like, like you said, clean up your diet, um, uh, near and far infrared saunas help with inflammation, uh, which is like what red light therapy. Yep. I know you're doing that yep. too. And, uh, like I said, it's, I don't know, exercise. I know it's kind of counterintuitive, people think. Exercise but causes that inflammation, but... It's not, though, because it's totally different inflammation. It's yeah. that That is building your body's ab- ability to respond, you yeah. know? Yeah, because I think... Uh, and I don't know if it's true, but, you know, I heard somebody talk about that, you know, bodybuilders, weightlifters, resistance training folks, and te- high-intensity guys, or gals in this case... Um, generally heal close to, you know, two times faster than the human being that doesn't, that sediment that doesn't do anything. Well, first of all, if you think about, if you think about just the amount of blood that flows through your body during a hard workout versus flowing through your body while you're sitting on the couch, right? Right. So let's not even, let's not consider any of the compensatory mechanisms that come from lifting weights. Let's just think about the amount of blood that flows. That's where your body gets all of its oxygen, all of its nutrients, everything for metabolism, everything for repair. It gets from your bloodstream. That's where your your blood is literally the car that drives everything around your body that your body needs. Yeah. So if you're driving a fucking tanker truck full of blood, whereas the person sitting on the couch is driving a Prius full of blood, you're getting that much more nutrients to all of your tissues. So like even uh, one of the issues with damaged tendons is, is tendons don't have their own blood uh, vessels. So when you damage a tendon, it takes like four or five times as long to heal as the same damaged muscle because it doesn't get its own blood. The only blood flow it gets is from the muscle around it. So the blood goes from the blood vessel into the muscle. When the muscle moves, it, it kind of... Um, I guess biomechanically would be the right term for it. It basically just massages the blood through the muscle into the tendon. And that's where the tendon gets its nutrients. No, that makes sense. So even if we're not, even if we're not considering our body actually being better at repairing, it's just getting four or five times as much of the nutrients that it needs to repair just from doing that type of exercise. Yeah, and I know that uh, a poor diet, a lot of the inflammation is within the intestinal tract. Yeah. You know, the, the organs. And the funny thing is, is like what causes inflammation in you is totally different than what's going to cause inflammation in right. me. So that's where you need to, um, the the book that I was, that I was reading talks about a um, cutting the top four or eight, depending on how crazy you want to go. Right. Um, inflammatory groups of foods out. 
Yeah. So. Like for me, I mean, dairy and gluten. By gluten, you know, it isn't just the, the gluten-free crap, you know, not the whatever the fling is, but it's it's how it's processed. The nowadays gluten that's processed versus how bread was, you know, how many years ago. I mean, I have a little bit of gluten, boom, all of a sudden I got problems. It's not that I'm gluten sensitive, but I can definitely tell a difference in stool and how I perform. You know, I'm definitely sluggish and I get a lot of bloating. Yeah. You know, first sign is bloating. And so the and and so what 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 this doctor suggests is to cut out all grains. Cut out, I think, all dairy. About uh legumes, beans. So that's in the that's in the eight group. So the first four are, and I didn't even write this down. I should have wrote this down. But the first four are dairy, grains, sugars, shit, and one other thing. I can't even remember what the other thing is. Anyways, you cut out those four, go four weeks without those things in your diet, and then you can test what you can put back in. But you, to, but to test what you can put back in, you can't put five back, things back in at once. Or you have no idea. What is causing it? You start with week one putting, you know, let's say dairy back in. And how do you feel? And you'll be able to tell how you feel. Are you processing it okay? All right. So let's go two weeks like that. Everything's fine. Okay. Now let's put grains back in, you know? And so, yeah. and so that way, you know, because like my wife, eggs fuck her up yeah. bad. And I've never heard of but that. But I eat eggs like, like nothing. Oh, yeah. So. It has a lot to do with your different digestive systems. For her, what our speculation is, is she had um, she had a really messed up digestive system for a while and she was eating eggs a lot. And because of the messed up digestive system, the eggs got into, you know, the, the albumin, I think, is the protein in eggs got into her bloodstream and then her body created an immune reaction to it. And so now whenever she gets eggs, her body creates a little bit of an immune reaction to it and she gets sick. Wow. Um, and that's just our speculation on what happened because she could eat eggs yeah. up until she was pregnant with my daughter. She ate eggs every day while she was pregnant with my daughter. And then she's never like she's tried eggs. She's accidentally had stuff with eggs in it that she didn't even know and gotten sick. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like a, a there was a dressing somewhere that we had and she got really like she got sick afterwards and she looked it up. And sure enough, the dressing had eggs in it, really? which you wouldn't expect. But, you know, for some reason it was in there. Is she dairy free, too? She is dairy free by, by choice. She gets she gets some bad acne from dairy, which I think, you know, the funny thing with dairy is, is it's really just a recent thing in the last you know few hundred years that we've been able to consume dairy post childhood. Right. So like the lactase enzyme that processes dairy is is abundant when you're young, because that's where, you know, throughout evolution, that's where you would get all of your nutrients is from your mom's milk. Yeah. That's still dairy. And then that that lactase enzyme would slowly deplete as you got older and then you wouldn't be able to process dairy. But now, because we get so much of our nutrients from dairy, it's been a a slow transition to where like a lot of uh, nations that were consuming dairy for years and years and years or hundreds of years. Those people are better able to process dairy, which is probably why I could handle dairy better than you can handle dairy, because genetically your ancestors didn't really consume dairy where my ancestors consumed a fuckload of dairy. Yeah. Asians generally have that yeah, problem with the, we don't have that lactase enzyme or however that's built. But, yep. but yeah, I mean, I have, I'll have, probably have dairy once a week. 
And I see when I eat clean, it tends to burn it up pretty well. Yeah. But I mean, for a while there, when I was uh, on a farm, drinking milk out of a cooler, which I'm expecting that's how my brother and I turned out to be, you know, Goliaths in yeah. the Chinese kingdom. But um, I remember, yeah, getting a lot of phlegm, you know, a lot of bloating, but, you know, just keep sucking that stuff down. Between yeah, you don't, you don't link that, those two things together when you're a kid. No. You don't think about that. So, I mean, the big thing with inflammation is there's a lot of people that deal with it. And the problem is, is they want to be healthier. But how do you get, there's so many people that want to be healthier, that want to get in this clean diet, or that just want to do it just to get thinner or just, you know, to feel better. But the problem is they want to, but they can't break that barrier of just getting through it for a week. I think part of it is knowing where your self-control is at. I know we've talked about this before, but my self-control is not not eating it if it's in front of me. That's not where my self-control is at. My self-control is not having the shit in front of me. And if I don't have the shit in front of me, I can't eat it. So like knowing where your self-control is, is your self-control not having the crappy foods in your house, you know? Yeah. And along with that, having good foods ready for you to take with you so that you're not stopping at the gas station or drive through. I mean, do people have to realize that? I mean, you want to make a draft drastic change in your life. You need to make drastic changes then. Yeah, you don't you don't just get to make I mean, little changes are always better than no changes, right? And maybe and everybody's different. That's one of the things that, you know, with this inflammation thing, like everybody is gonna be totally different on what causes you, how it affects you. Is it an issue? Do you even know? Do you have any issues? But the same with changes, right? Like maybe some people are of the mindset that they need to make little changes that add up to over a year a big lifestyle change. Whereas me, I'm like a all or nothing. Like I need to fucking cut the head off the snake and go go hard in the paint right away. But you're gonna see more changes quickly. Quicker by doing that. Yep. And but then does that suffer? A and then does more, that yeah. does that help me mentally because I because I'm more I'm linking my changes to the changes in my body more than somebody that's making little changes and not seeing the changes as quickly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's positive reinforcement in my mind. Right. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's to get these people going. I mean, you have to make a drastic change. You got to change your environment that you're in. If you're, you know, single and living in your household or a single parent, I mean, you have to, Say, well, I'm not going to buy that craft macaroni and cheese for my kids either. Yeah. So if I'm going to get healthy, so are my kids. Yeah. Because and your I, kids won't fucking starve. They won't, they won't not eat. Right. They'll not eat for a little bit, but they'll get hungry and they'll fucking eat. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are scared that. Yeah. And I see this a lot where kids doesn't, they don't like something and they're making, you know, two different side dishes for the kids other than what the meal is rather than. You know, teaching the child to eat, hey, this is what's for dinner. And guess what? You're going to learn to eat it. We made the mistake with that with my 17-year-old. We were young. We didn't know. And uh, my my wife's mom also watched her. And grandmas, you know, grandmas and grandpas, they give kids whatever they want, right? And so she watched her every day. And my 17-year-old eats like garbage because we never imparted that early. Now, my 8-year-old will eat everything that we eat. And she's great at it. Oh, she's a big eater. She's got my genetics, so she likes some ice cream. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we've got so we've got some, any rice. We've got some heavy. We've got some <laughs> some heavy family genetics. I'll 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 say that. 
Um, but she she eats shit that I don't even eat. She she'll sit down and eat cucumbers. I don't fucking like cucumbers. Oh really? No. She'll Gosh. sit down and she'll just sit down and just mouth cucumbers. Wow. That's awesome at eight. Yeah. Peas, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus. She told the doctor one time, um, she said, he said, what's your favorite vegetable? She said asparagus. I honestly don't even think she likes asparagus. She oh, just really? eats it when we make it. But she just, that's the first <laughs> thing that came to her mind. Probably likes how it smells when you know, right? hit the john. Right. <laughs> but like, so the biggest thing that I wanted to get through today, because what, what made me think of this is I know this connection and I, and I know people in my life that have chronic depression or chronic anxiety that it might not cure what they have going on by by cleaning up, but it will drastically improve your way of mind, your state of mind. And I was, I was talking to, to, um, one of my, one of my stores that I sell to and the manager's wife also works there. And she was like, she was shaking one day and I'm like, and I'm like, what's going on? And she's, she, you can tell that she has bloat. You can tell when you see it in her face, she's, she's, she's bloated. She's got that kind of, you know, the cheeks that kind of are tight and bloaty. And, uh, she's like, my anxiety is just so bad today. It's like, I I can't even, I don't even want to be here. And I can look at her and say, I I, I can't say it because I don't think that we have that relationship. You know, I don't feel comfortable bringing it up yet, maybe someday, but I can look at her and say in my head, well, you're, you're very unhealthy. That, that is part of the reason that your anxiety is off the roof. You know, how many, how many drinks did you have last night? Because if you drink like a fish, you're constantly inflamed. Well, yeah, especially the, a lot of the barley. Yeah. Well, all alcohol, Pops. all alcohol does it. Jeez, even whiskey? Yeah, all alcohol causes inflammation. Dang. All right. That makes sense. But, you know, with with if your body is normally healthy yeah. and you drink too much, you feel like shit for a day or two. A lot of that is dehydration and inflammation. So what about the folks that drink every night? See, there hasn't been really any studies on that yet, so I don't want to say for sure. But my speculation is that that's kind of like slowly piecemealing inflammation into your body. You're 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 not elevating your inflammation to a ten, yeah. but you're constantly sitting at a five or a six. Versus if you didn't drink every night and you drank once every two weeks, maybe you'd be regularly living at a three for inflammation. Yeah, you know. So if you're, I know people that drink and wonder why they don't lose weight. Yeah, that's a that's a different thing too. <laughs> um, but like. But it's, it's a catch 22, right? Because I drink because I had a long day and then I wake up tomorrow and I'm inflamed. So I'm in a bad mood. I have maybe some, some slight depression. I have another bad day. I get home from work. I'm exhausted. I have some depression going on in my mind and I want another drink. And so I drink again and I have a few drinks tonight. And then I get up in the morning and I do the same thing and I feel the same way when I get home and I have some more drinks and the drinking makes you forget the depression for five minutes, but also causes the next day's depression. Yeah. It's a shitty cycle. It's a shitty cycle. But a lot of people And do really it. hard to get out of. Yeah. So how do people just get out of that? 
big changes. How do they do that by themselves? Big changes. Well, and alcohol is another thing because it, alcohol has chemical addiction, right? Yeah. Like alcohol has actual physical and chemical addictive factors. Whereas like, you know, maybe start smoking weed. Weed doesn't have inflammation issues. Weed reduces inflammation. It's not legal here, man. Maybe, maybe get CBD gummies. Okay, there you go. Is that better? Well, no, you want to pop whatever brand you got going on? No, I don't <laughs> fucking, I don't even know what brand I, I have. Um, but it, <laughs> none of us can do it for you. My goal with this podcast specifically and our goal with this whole podcast is to plant seeds. And we're planting seeds for weeks later, months later, years later. Because that's that's what that's what made me change is honestly Joe Rogan and and the people that he had on his podcast that talked about the stuff that we're talking about right now is what planted the seeds in me that made me change and get healthy. Well, so Joe Rogan was a cause. Yeah, I think we talked about that in one of the earlier podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> for real like he was the catalyst to my change he didn't change for he didn't do it for me nobody did it right. for me but that, that was the you know that was the beginning of the catalyst of my change and opened up um richard dawkins talks about it in in the book that i just finished is it elevated my consciousness right it, it put me on a new level and i was no longer this person i was i was paul plus paul 2.0 yeah after my conscious was elevated and then i found all these new people Tim Ferriss, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Mark Gordon, like all these people and listen to them talk. And then I would get their, you know, I would, I would hear somebody mention a book in a podcast and I would download that book and I would read that book. And then I would find a new person from that book. And then I would find books that they liked. And I know Seth Godin who wrote purple cow, I think it's Seth Godin yeah. has a reading list. He's got a reading list online. All it's all organized. It's, you know, hundreds of books and it goes through and rates them and gives like small summaries and shit like that. And I would love to take the time and do that on the Urban Savage page. I downloaded a WordPress plugin that was supposed to allow me to start doing that and it was not working properly. So I need to fuck with that some more. But I'd love to do that so that people have my reading list. I've screenshotted my reading list and sent that out to people before when they're like, what do you read? Well, here, here's the last 50 fucking books I've read, you know, but it's just planting these slow seeds and helping people elevate their consciousness to make the changes. Yeah. Yeah, I wish there was an easy answer. Because I run into a lot of people that just, you know, they they want to be at this point. They want to be healthy. They want to be better. They want to be thinner. But, you know, that want never translates into a discipline, a conscious, you know, the next step. And waiting for somebody to handhold you through isn't going to work. It, You know, I think... I think it comes down to a lot of it is like we talked about way, you know, podcast three or four is those five most influential, those the five biggest influences in your life. Yeah. And I am, I'm in complete agreement with Sam Harris that there is no, um, there is no self-control is not the right word self-motivation there's no place in that there's no there's no mechanical place for that in your brain it is you averaging out the biggest influences in your life 
And if the five or four or three biggest influences in your life are not beneficial, positive, conscious, elevating, and I'm going to say people, but it doesn't even need to be people. I mean, it is people. Eventually, it's people that write the books. It's people that read the audio books. It's people that are on the podcast. It's people like us doing it here. But I'm not even going to say people because it doesn't even need to be like somebody that you see or hang out with every day. It can be your podcast on the way to work, your audio book on the way to work, your book that you read before you go to bed. Like, There's no way I would ever have access to the type of people that I have the access to through the internet. And this is one of my favorite Joe Rogan lines. The internet is like a hammer. You can build a house with a hammer or you can hit yourself in the dick with a hammer. Right. And if you're using that internet for TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all you're doing is consuming trash, well, trash in, trash trash out. out. Yeah. And I think the big part of EQ, I mean, going back to people, I really do think that you have to weed out the type of people that you're close to, unfortunately. I think a lot of people that I run into that have that problem, you know, want to please everybody. And you know what? If you're going to do drastic things, I mean, you're not going to please everybody. You're going to start getting a lot of critics. And a lot of your critics are the ones who can't do it. It's kind of like the, uh, like Goggins, you know, everybody that is not even willing to remotely you know, get to that 50%, you know, we'll criticize him as some psychotic nut. I mean, he might be some psychotic nut he too. He's definitely but. a psychotic nut, but, <laughs> but you could strive to be a little bit more psychotic yeah. like him. Because I'm really a strong believer and I mean, you are the average of the, you know, four or five people that are closest to you. And the people that are closest to you are the ones that, you know, you feed and you're getting fed from. And if you're not in alignment, a lot of times uh, people just, surround themselves with an echo chamber and ends up being, you know, you're sitting in a bar every Friday night, you know, woe was me, you know, sucking down beers and being inflamed the next morning. You know, I mean, try to find people that are willing to take that journey down the same path, or maybe they're down there and they're willing to come alongside you. But yeah, don't, don't throw yourself in an echo chamber of people that are, you know, in the same, you know, fucking little circle. You know, spinning the wheels. Simple example of that is, is I hate running. I don't like to run. I'm not awful at it, but I don't enjoy it. I'm not one of those people that runs and I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. Listen to Goggins book. I fucking ran like 30 miles oh, really? the next week. And it was dumb. I hurt myself. It was so stupid, <laughs> but realistic like that, that having him as that influence in my ear for a week while I listened to his book changed what I was willing to do. And I still, to this day, when I'm doing cardio, I bet, I bet 50% of the time when I'm doing hard cardio, I listen to the David Goggins. You're only at a certain percent of what you could actually do. Do 10% more where you think that you can do it. If you think you can do this level, this highest level on the stair machine for 10 minutes, do it for 12 minutes. Just push that a little bit more. And then the next time push it a little bit more. And I still use that to this day. And I haven't listened to his book in fucking years. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I like following Goggins. You know, every once in a while, I feel sorry for his poor girlfriend who probably has to, you know, run alongside him with the China videotape. Right, I'm guessing right. she's got like a, whatever you call those stands. That, oh, you think that's that his move? girlfriend that did that? I always thought it was just one of his buddies. Yeah, I think it's uh, his girlfriend that runs with him. Oh, well. And uh, I know Andy Stump, uh, He's he's got the podcast cleared hot. Um, he texts uh, back and forth sometimes with uh, Goggins. 
And periodically, I'll send get a text from uh, Goggins like, what are you doing? Getting soft? <laughs> and if uh, I think Andy replies, then Goggins oh, what am I doing? I'm getting hard. I, I don't mean, uh, Yeah. If your life is 24-7 like that, I'm like, dude, you got to have to, you know. Yeah, but clock that down just a little bit. But you, if take a second, if you guys don't know who David Goggins is, read the book. It's fucking awesome. But when you realize the fucking the childhood that that guy had, like he's he he's battling some demons in there. Yeah, and then his way of dealing with those demons is by staying fucking hard, yeah. hard, harder. That I mean, axe handle hard. Yeah, his book is can't hurt me. It's uh, yeah, it's an amazing story. I mean, he went from one end of the spectrum. To another end of the spectrum in severe, I mean, extreme fashion. Yeah. So great, great read. But all right, we're we're at an hour. Um, I guess you know I want to remind you guys, please send this podcast to as many people as as you think it could help. Because you know we can only do so much as far as getting it out there, and really a lot of it's going to come down to um, it hopefully helping you guys and then you sending it out to people that it can help. Cause the word of mouth is by far the best advertising that we can do. And then jump on and rate it on whatever you're listening to it on a podcast app. Um, we're going to start slowly implementing guests into sometime into July. Um, got some, got some cool people. We're going to try to get on here. And, uh, I was going to I was going to suggest that we start doing video with this podcast, but I got a little herpes on my lip. So I was like, eh, we'll wait a week or two until uh, <laughs> until we get some video on. But hopefully be able to um, just set up, you know, either set up our two phones or set up some GoPros and get some video and then be able to put these on YouTube, too, because there is a lot of people um, way smaller amount than listen to podcasts. But there is a certain amount of people that like to watch podcasts on YouTube. So yeah, I want to give a props out to one of our uh, listeners at. Um, I saw on 5.11 today, Byron Rogers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like those videos that uh, you post, like watching those. Um, but yeah, I saw him, uh, his mug on the 5.11 uh, uh, email that they sent out today. So, we'll have to, we'll have to ask cool. him We'll have to ask him who his publicist is when we get him on here because he's, he's everywhere right now. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. All right.